Welcome, this is Anastasia Yuglova for Cato Daily Podcast, Friday, June 15th. America's founding generation created a new kind of nation, based on individual sovereignty, limited government, free commerce, and peace. In 2006, Cato continued to be a critical voice in the struggle to protect and advance these values, putting forward timely and practical policy proposals centered on our nation's first principles. In conjunction with the release of Cato's 2006 annual report, Executive Vice President David Bowes takes stock of the past year at the Cato Institute in this podcast. It's been 30 years since the Cato Institute opened its doors. What's different this year for us? Well, the first thing you have to think about is what's different in the world after 30 years. 30 years ago, half the world was communist. And in Washington, Jimmy Carter and Tip O'Neill were running things. And we had 70% income tax rates. And we had gas lines and energy czars. And I think a lot of times libertarians think, oh, things are always getting worse. But when you stop and think, communism, apartheid, Tip O'Neill, energy lines, not everything's been getting worse. Some things have been getting better. And maybe that's because some of the work Cato's done. And maybe it's other things, too. Some of the things that are new for Cato recently include... In 2006, we started making some new innovations in the field of delivering our message. We started our blog, which is rapid response to changing events. We started podcasts, which are also a rapid response form of communication, and they work for people who don't have time to read. So both of these things are part of changing the way you deliver the message. Now, we did lots of new things in 2006 that in some ways were like the way we'd done things before, but lots of new projects. And what do you think have been the highlights of the past year in terms of the kind of research that we've produced? Well, I think if you look at some of the people we hired, we brought some really good scholars on last year. We added Sigrid Fry Revere to be our first person doing bioethics. And a lot of people say the 20th century was the century of physics. The 21st century is the century of biology. So I think that's very important. We brought in Randall O'Toole to look at urban sprawl and traffic congestion and natural resources issues. I think that's very important. Internationally, we got Dan Mitchell, who came over here from the Heritage Foundation. And although he's an American tax analyst, one of his particular issues is international tax competition. One of the things that keeps taxes low in the United States and other places is competition from around the world. This is part of globalization. The easier it is for labor and capital to move, the harder it is to tax them. Now, taxes are not low enough, but one of the reasons they're not higher than they are is international tax competition and globalization. And so speaking of globalization, we also added Johann Norberg as a Cato scholar. He wrote a book on globalization. He has another book out, but only in Swedish so far. We're hoping that'll come out in English soon. And it's also about the nature of the modern world, capitalism. It's called How Man Created the World. And it looks at the world we live in today. I shouldn't say too much because it's in Swedish and I haven't actually read it. But as I understand it, it talks about the role of capitalism and entrepreneurs in creating the world. So we're delighted to have all of those people as part of our staff, as part of the research we're doing. Of course, it hasn't been all smiles. The past year also saw the passing of a dear and treasured friend of liberty, Milton Friedman. Well, yes, in a lot of ways, 2006 was the year of Milton Friedman. In the most important and the saddest way, Milton died late in the year at the age of 94. He had a long life, an important life, a good life with a 68-year marriage to Rose Friedman. So that was all good, but we, of course, all miss him. 
We were glad, though, that late in his life, he honored Cato by allowing us to create the Milton Friedman Prize for Advancing Liberty. We presented the third one of those awards in 2006 at a big dinner in Chicago where Milton Friedman taught for many years to Mart Lahr, the former prime minister of Estonia, for the work that he did to implement Milton Friedman's ideas in one country coming out of communism. And also, later in the year, we published a book called Liberty and Learning, which is 50 years after Milton Friedman's idea of school competition, school choice, and specifically vouchers. And so we had an essay by Friedman, the original one, and Friedman's reminiscences 50 years later on what's happened, as well as a dozen other scholars looking at it. So in a lot of ways, it was the year of Milton Friedman. And of course, the Friedman Prize is going to be one of the ways that Milton Friedman's influence will live on. Okay, then leaving the past in the past, what are your plans for the future of the Institute? Well, I think we have a lot of plans starting in 2007. One of the things I'm personally thrilled about is that my book, Libertarianism, a Primer, is coming out this year in Spanish, Arabic, and Cambodian. So that's a lot of fun. In addition, we have Cato University coming up in July, and then we have another Milton Friedman Prize dinner. We're going to be in New York in 2008 and present the Milton Friedman Prize to another uh, winner in, in 2008. On the 4th of July, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to launch a big project to take the ideas of freedom internationally. Keep an eye on our website on the 4th of July. Look for that possibility. And I talked about podcasts. Last year we created podcasts. This year we created videocasts. And so that's one of the ways we continue to move into the future in learning new ways to distribute these ideas as well as the kinds of research that we do. One of the things I would like to do over the coming 12, 18 months is dramatically expand our investment in communication. We have the greatest libertarian policy scholars in the world working at Cato. But, you know, does a tree make any noise if there's no one there to hear it? So it's important that we do more to make sure that the message these scholars are producing is getting out. So whether that means hiring more people in communications, doing more video, expanding the reach of our website, all of those kinds of things we want to be looking at, and all of that costs money. So anybody who's listening to this who's not a Cato sponsor should go straight to the Cato webpage and click on the tab that says Contribute because we have lots of opportunities for expansion. We have more research areas we should be doing, more books we should be commissioning, and more delivery methods that we should be developing, and that all costs money. But with the money we have, with the support of the sponsors we have now, we have a lot of plans already in the works that are going to happen. Thank you, David. And thanks for listening to Cato Daily Podcast. Enjoy the sunny weekend.